I was looking for what does a leader do? What does an executive do? What does it look like on the continent? It doesn't exist to be in your early 30s as a CEO of a podcasting tech company. I get to define it. I get to be powerful and young and compassionate and exciting. I get to wear vibrant clothes. I get to support African designers. I get to be me. Welcome to the Podcast Sessions, where we chat to podcast hosts, podcast producers, and those within the podcast industry. On today's episode, we chat to CEO of AfriPods, Molly Jensen. You can also listen to this episode on AfriPods. So Molly, super, super excited to have you on today's podcast episode, the first podcast episode for 2022 and the first cover for 2022. So thank you so much for your time. I'm going to start by asking, you know, what was your journey into podcasting? Because not a lot of people have a conventional route into podcasting. So they didn't study podcasting or study anything audio related. They just kind of happened upon it. It was an interest that turned into, you know, a full-time, you know, podcast and in other cases, podcast companies. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Thank you for highlighting me as the cover as well as this interview. I can't tell you how excited I am for it. To answer your question, I would say I definitely went an unconventional path as well. Um, I moved to Kenya a couple of years ago and I was really fascinated by the audio space. And I spent some time researching it and learning it and discovering what was on the ground here in Kenya and an opportunity to work and consult in podcasting came up. So I even, I delved in even deeper into audio and understanding the landscape here. And when the opportunity to work with Afropods came up, it seemed like a perfect fit. It aligned with my values. And I was really excited to be in a privilege of not only privilege, a position of privilege, but a, a position of responsibility, because I know how important this medium and format is on the continent. So my background, um, traditionally, I've worked with people I grew up in New York. My mother's from West Africa. Um, I've worked in corporate, I've worked in startup, I've, I've done volunteer work. And now here I'm in Kenya again, working at the helm of a startup, focusing on the audio space. Can you share with us a little bit about AfriPods? What is AfriPods essentially for someone who has never heard of AfriPods before? AfriPods is a pan-African podcasting platform. We are building the largest library of African audio stories on the planet, and we are the technical solution for podcasting on the continent. What that means is we offer free hosting. So if you want to if you want to podca uh, podcast and you want to host it somewhere, we do that for free. Reason being, we want to break down barriers to entry so that people can participate in this medium. We also have an app on iOS and Android, so you can listen to these podcasts. We also do embedded web players for some of our media partners and radio. Um, and yeah, so we are a technical app, but ultimately we're a platform where you can host your podcast and it can be distributed not only on Afropods, but on Spotify, Google, Ngami, Deezer, CastBox, your podcast app of preference. We hope it'll soon be Afropods though. And talk to me about this podcast library. You're essentially trying to build the biggest audio library on the continent. Uh, what what does this entail? And also, why is this important? Like, is is this the first of its kind? Sure. So it's the first of its kind that I have heard about. Um, and I think it's important to say that we're looking to build the largest library of African audio stories on the planet. 
the reason why that is important is this continent is a continent of oriented history. We have tell, told our stories by mouth for generations, and we've never really had the opportunity to memorialize our history in any other way. So when you have this medium and technology kind of coming up, audio and technology and media being so exciting right now, it feels like it's a no-brainer that podcasting is going to be massive on the continent. It's my personal belief that Africa will be the largest podcasting market in the world. But the benefit of having this library is that people are able to access stories from the country that they're interested in, in the language that they want to hear it in, connect throughout the diaspora to places that feel like home, people who are studying African studies in colleges around the world. There's so many, there's unlimited benefits of having this. And the fact of the matter is I haven't seen it existing. So we want to build it. We want to make sure that you know that it's Africa first. People of the diaspora are obviously welcome. It is truly pan-African. Um, but this would be the home of African podcasting, if that makes sense. Mm, makes absolute sense. There was a time, and, I, and I'm seeing more and more of this, I've seen more and more of this in the last year or so, um, where you know, in conversations when, or should I rather say about two years ago, when I was having conversations with people about podcasting on the continent, it was like, it almost felt like there weren't enough African podcasters. And that conversation was like, oh, but who's podcasting on the continent? Can you name some? Or you ask someone to name their favorite podcasters and they'll go immediately to the people in the US and UK. But now that is almost shifting. Uh, do you feel that sense that now we're having more and more African podcasters uh, on the forefront of conversations? Or do you still feel like, you know, perhaps uh, there is so much more that needs to be done in that space as well? I could answer, excuse me, both of those questions with a yes. So absolutely, there are more African podcasters than there were two years ago. There are more podcasters than there were yesterday, you know? And what's really cool for me or something, as I've mentioned, I'm really research and data driven. I regularly Google top podcasts in Africa, top podcasts in Kenya, top podcasts in Nigeria, top podcasts in South Africa, top podcasts in Egypt, wherever it may be. And the lists are often changing. I mean, there have been articles that have come out over the last couple of years of African podcasts you have to listen to, Black podcasts you have to listen to. And I think we are still very much in our infancy here on the continent in terms of just scratching the surface. But storytelling isn't anything new. It's not. And so, yeah, we definitely have more work to do. I can absolutely name some of my favorite African podcasts. I definitely am heavily skewed to Kenya being that I'm based here in Nairobi, but there's such exciting stories. And I think there's also something important to say that some of these stories may not be for me, right? Like if there's a story that's in Zulu or Yoruba, or if it's in Amharic or Arabic or whatever it may be, there are different micro communities that these stories are for. And so there are also plenty of stories I will not be able to access. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Like everything has always been from a Western lens and it's for me, for me, for me. And you can't forget that Africa is this continent of 1.3 billion people, 54 countries, 1,500 plus languages, a massive growing young generation full of people who have things to say. 
So yes, there are many podcasters I can name on the continent. There are many I can name within the diaspora. There are also many that I have no idea what they're saying, but I know that they're popular podcasts. So I know that they're saying something interesting. And I'm just hoping that that continues to grow across the continent in the diaspora because these stories are really important. Mm. What are we seeing across the continent from, you know, insights and stats? Where is podcasting growing? What countries have quite a vast uh, podcast uh, creator base and listener base? Sure. So the podcasting ecosystem is growing rapidly across the continent, even globally, um, but specifically focusing on here. There are a couple of major hubs, right? So Kenya is a really fast growing podcasting market. South Africa is also probably the most mature podcasting market on the continent. Nigeria is massive. They're producing tons of content. Ghana also is not far behind that. And Egypt. Egypt even has their own podcast, um, podfest, as well as what we have here in Nairobi from Wilson Josephine. So those are the four or five main hubs that I see producing high content, but you can't underestimate some of the quote, quote, smaller communities. Like Zimbabwe has a huge podcasting community. And when I say huge, they're actively engaged. You also have Angolan podcasts, right? They're always participating in these events that I'm in, whether it's the Storyteller Conference in Nigeria or Africa Podcast Day, which is coming up on February 12th, or Podcast Cairo. There are always people from Angola and they have such a different market of podcasting than what you see here. Like for instance, Angolans tend to podcast on iPhones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas the rest of the content continent tends to be Android first or Google first. So yeah, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, the more established podcasting regions right now currently include Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria as the three main big ones. I think Ghana is following right behind. Egypt has quite a, mar uh, a market for that. Zimbabwe and Angola, those are some of the few, but we do see podcasts from a majority of countries here. So hopefully that gives you a little bit more insight. Certainly. And uh, I, I do want to switch gears a little bit into possibly, for me, <laughs> what is, you know, an incredible highlight of this discussion, which is, you know, you being the CEO of this incredible pan-African company. Uh, it was only last year that you were actually announced as the CEO, you know, Black, female, you know, when we talk about representation, being able to, even, even, when, even when we had the discussion and uh, initially before it was announced, I was like, yes, well, this is what we need. Um, because it, I do know that, you know, representation is consistently one of those conversations that we're always having in all industries. And it's not just in terms of race, it's in terms of gender representation as well which is so, so key. So I want to first go to that moment where you knew you were going to uh, take up the reins as CEO of Afropods and then what it felt like when it was officially announced and put out in the world. Because it's one thing to have this knowledge and, you know, you're like, I know, I know, but now it's like everyone knows. What was that like for you? Well, thank you. This is a really exciting moment of my life and I definitely like reliving it. So when... When I was when I signed the paperwork um, to step in as CEO, I was I couldn't believe it was happening. To be honest with you, like I knew it was happening for months, and I still was blown away because it feels like it's not just 
breaking the glass ceiling, it's like smashing through it to all of those um, qualities that you mentioned before, right? Being a young black woman on the continent, stepping at the helm of a tech company while tech and media is exploding on the continent in a medium that will be successful here, that's incredibly powerful. And like it deserves a moment of recognition in my mind. So with all of those things behind me, I think before announcing, I waited four months to announce formally or five months even, I wanted to make sure that we were really doing the work because when you step into any position, especially as an executive, the first thing that you're looking to do is kind of assess the situation, listen and learn. You can't just step into a job and think you're going to fix it. That's in my opinion, stepping into a position without knowing what's going on, it's a little bit ignorant. Like you need to just listen, learn, see how things function, see where things could be optimized or be better, see what's doing well, see what people like. And so I took those first initial months to listen and learn. And we had some immediate success. So the first week uh, after I signed the paperwork, I had also agreed to a partnership with the Apple, the Apple App Store, and we were highlighted for Africa Month. And actually, fun fact, they reached out earlier this week, and we're probably going to be highlighted again in May of 2022. So that's really exciting. Um, I feel like prior to signing for this position, I almost had imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Like I had spent years at this point studying the audio space and understanding it and reading research and talking to people and learning about Afropods and learning about other platforms and seeing what worked in the Western space. And, you know, it's hard to out talk podcasting to me from a statistic standpoint. I know what's going on globally. I know what's going on on the continent. I get so many newsletters daily. My whole team knows how obsessed I am with data and research and newsletters. And I think I wanted to make sure I did justice in this position. And I fully recognize that I have this incredible job, but there's a real responsibility to do right for the Africans on the ground. It's not just making decisions of what I think is right. It's making decisions in alignment with what the African on the ground or in the diaspora wants from a podcasting platform. So it was a very exciting time in my life. It was a time I felt extremely prepared for, but I think women sometimes more than men second guess themselves in terms of, am I right for this position? Did I earn it? Could I be better? Am I ready? Will I be ready? Can someone else do this? And I'm very lucky to have the support of people around me who knew I was ready. And when I stepped into the role, it was almost like muscle memory. Like we knew what we were doing. And I think almost a year in this position, we've seen so much change. And more than that, I feel like we're sitting on an opportunity to have massive impact. So I know that my intent is in the right place and I know my impact will be massive here. And a lot of times those two things tend to be, they don't always align, right? You can have a really wonderful intent and your impact doesn't get there. But we're, I feel very lucky to know that everyone who I speak to about what we're doing at Afropods, yourself included, Rotendo, is like, yes, that's what we need. Yes, you're thinking about it the right way. Yes, how can I be part of this? Yes, finally someone is doing this. And not just doing it, but doing it in the right way. Truly, my heart is in this. And I'm really, really excited 
to be able to be one of many people who's going to influence the ecosystem of podcasting here. We get to create it together. Like you are as fundamental to this ecosystem, Rotendo, as people who are creating content in the West, as people who are in the business of podcasting, as people who are producing podcasts, as people who are writing these podcasts, right? Like there's so much that's happening here. And it's incredible to be part of that community. Like we are all the, we are the pioneers of African podcasting. How exciting is that? No, that's, that's powerful. That is really, really, really powerful. Um, it is that there are a whole bunch of, you know, companies, Afripods, Africa Podfest, um, podcast sessions, shout out, all of these, <laughs> the magazine, um, all of these, these, you know, and all these podcast business companies and podcasters in themselves to say, like, there is no formula for this industry right now. There is, There are so many things that still can be done. And I think that's what really excites me. I look at the US and if not, you know, if they're not having at least two podcast festivals of sort in that month, you know, something is happening because there's always a podcast podcast festival. There's there are so many newsletters. There's so much content. They're very they've gotten to a point where there's so much that everything is becoming a little bit more niche with it, which is so beautiful to know that that's where we're heading. I want to find out what is your leadership style because you've spoken about you know obviously stepping into this position for about a year being at the helm of this company um where did you draw inspiration from from in terms of being a leader what kind of a leader do you feel you are what is your approach to leadership sure i'm glad you asked that you know because i spent a lot of time sitting in my body and then also sitting outside of what we're in right now and something actually headed to the shoot for the cover, um, I brought one of my colleagues, a woman named Gathoni. And it's been really important to me to make sure that everyone on our team gets the opportunity to spend time with me to make sure that we see how far you can push it. Like you can be turned into a machine, right? And as I was figuring out outfits or, you know, how to feel good and present myself, Gathoni was like, I think it's really important that you highlight that you lead with compassion and you say that all of the time and there's power in that. And, you know, a lot of times you get this femininity isn't the way the business is, it's masculine or even hyper-masculine or women who are in leadership are rough around the edges or whatever it may be, but there's, there's real power in being compassionate and being a human being and knowing that we have so much work to do. And I say this often, but we have endless work to do, right? Like if I don't have this from you, if I don't have your brain, I have nothing. And like, there's a balance in life and there's a dance in doing this correctly. And I, I truly feel like we get to borrow people. We don't get to keep them, right? I get to borrow you. You are working with us for an exchange of, in benefits and money, and I want to make sure that we get the most value out of you, knowing that I would love to keep everyone on my team forever. And they know this because I tell them that. But I hope that we can get you to a position where someone wants to hire you for four or five X because you are the best at what you do. Like Afropods will generate machines of people. Afropods will generate incredibly effective 
people who work in organizations, people who can move up the ladder, people who think critically, people who can make decisions, people who aren't afraid to take risks. And that's this, that's such an exciting part of this job, that professional development and knowing that you can truly impact someone's life and it's more than a job. So when we talk about my leadership style, I definitely feel like I come from a place of compassion. I also like to lead from example. So I do a lot of work. I am sitting in the trenches with everyone. I'm reading, I'm writing, I'm doing deck proposals. I'm thinking about sponsorship. I'm trying to come up with creative ways to have events. I'm trying to figure out how to engage new markets. I'm sitting with everyone. And that's part of the all hands on deck mentality of a startup, right? Like I can't just be one role. I hope that the business grows enough that I can sit into the position of just thinking. Because that's really where I think the the true value of my skill is like, I need to sit and think. But right now we have to stop bleeding everywhere. We have to get as many feet out as possible. We, we can't just be a company that focuses on one piece of this pie because the whole pie is needed here, which means that everyone who's currently in this space is biting off probably a little bit more than they can chew. But I like to think that I am a strong leader. I like to think that I am a passionate leader a compassionate mentor or peer, and someone who's effective. Um, people I draw inspiration from, I mean, there's so many powerful women that I could choose and even men who've like influenced me, but clearly my mom is one of them. I think you hear so much about some of these major tech companies, whether they're Google, Uber, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. And I love the fact that in this position, I get to kind of redefine what young African leadership looks like. And I think it's important to tell you that because I was looking for what does a leader do? What does an executive do? What does it look like on the continent? It doesn't exist to be in your early 30s as a CEO of a podcasting tech company. I get to define it. I get to be powerful and young and compassionate and exciting. I get to wear vibrant clothes. I get to support African designers. I get to be me. I get to be me. Like a leader looks like me. And that's really what it boils down to. I don't have to be anything more than me. It's good enough. Anyone listening to that, when you said those words, like the leader looks like me, um, it's it's easy to almost feel like, okay, cool, I can put myself in that position too, you know? What does a leader look like? What does leadership look like? It's it's who you are, it's what you're doing, it's the, you know, the carrying out or the continuing of uh, the thing you've been called to do, you know, which, which you are acting out and you are representing so strong and so well. Um, and in terms of, again, coming back to this like representation or what the visual representation of things, I know you are very um what is the word intentional you are very intentional when it comes to your fashion choices when it comes to going places um i wonder if it's if it's always been like that or if there was a sense when you became uh the ceo and now you're in meetings you're in places that um you know how you what your visual identity or visual representation is and was it was just as important you've told me that you know wearing like an African piece or doing something to to bring that in was really, really important for you. Talk to me a little bit about that, the thought behind that. Has this always been a part of who you are or has it been something that is incredibly intentional now because of the position you're in and because of the eyes that are on you? 
Sure. Well, let's just be clear. When I was a little girl, I definitely had embarrassing African outfits. And as Ankara has become the seamstresses in West Africa, I always joke, they have anointed hands. These women are incredible. Okay. So um, when I stepped into the position, something I really thought about was image. And what I did is I called a friend who went to college with me, a Nigerian woman named Irene. She works for models.com. She has a casting company and like hires models for like WizKids videos and stuff like that. She's incredible, but she is extremely high fashion. And I told her about this position and I told her what I was thinking. And she came back to me and she took all the words I said and basically condensed them. And she was like, great. So your wardrobe should be 50% African designers, 25% luxury, 25% basics. And something she said was, you know, I think there's a real moment for African neutrals. Not everything has to be a pattern. Not everything has to be Ankara or Katenge or whatever you may call it. Um, like there's excellent materials on the continent. There's excellent neutrals. And, you know, she gave me kind of this guideline. She gave me a couple of different clothes and then I spent time talking to friends and I realized, you know, there's a trial and error here. So what I did is as I started traveling, every time I go somewhere, I look for concept stores or designers on the ground and I try to buy one piece. And that's like my own personal living museum and library. So yes, African clothes are extremely important to me and fabrics. Like I wore this incredible Tanzanian batik jumpsuit for our winter podcasting social here in Nairobi, the cover of your shoot or for podcast sessions, which girl, I ate it up. I'm so <laughs> excited, but it was important for me to wear an Ankara suit because Ankara was a fabric that wasn't always seen as professional, right? Like it was, it's just African fabric, but there's a way to make that look extremely powerful. And I love that about it. I love the duality of it. I love the history of it. I love that you can have multiple different things, whether it's a dress from South Africa or it's cotton from Ethiopia even, right? Like there's so much richness here and it's a really exciting time to be able to convey that and also bridge the gap between corporate and cool right? Like I'm in this media and creative space. I want people to see me wearing something interesting. I want to be able to support local women designers like Katush here in Nairobi. She's incredible. She's incredible. She made me a suit out of co organic cotton from Burkina Faso. It makes me excited to be able to wear these pieces and these, um, and this clothing. And my, my team knows every time I come into the office, it's, it's a fashion show, right? It doesn't, it's not that it's more important than the work, but it makes me feel good. And it also makes me feel connected to being here. And also everything is bespoke. And as you know, Rotendo, I'm quite tall. So it's nice to have clothes that fit me perfectly. Like it's made for me. This is like the fabric of my blood, you know? Like it's a really cool way to kind of present that, I think, externally. Just from in terms of, again, putting, putting Africans on the scene, and yes, this is a mini shout out to the Podcast Sessions magazine, is what was, what does almost this cover or being on the cover or being showcased in this light and in this way uh, mean for you and potentially, you know, for future podcasters to come on the, on the cover later this year as well? Well, I mean, let's 
since we are, and it's not even just a plug for podcast sessions. Let's just take a minute to step away and look at what we are dealing with. Podcast Sessions is the first and only podcasting magazine on the continent. I just told you earlier that I believe that podcasting will be in its biggest market here on the continent. We know that we have an oral history here. We know people are looking for information and data and for other people to connect with. We're looking for community. You've literally created this space and it's so important. I mean, I was actually looking through our emails to see when we started to communicate because when I started doing research, when I found podcast sessions, I signed up for it. And I was the one trying to figure out how could I get in touch with this woman? You have more impact than you realize, right? Even now being able to consider you a friend and someone that I value and the work you do, I know how important it is. But before I knew you, I knew this work was important. Before I knew you, your work had impact and was able to reach me. So podcast sessions can only grow. Mm. Podcasting is still growing. It will be the most reputable source for information on the continent. The same way that Africa Podfest, doing what they did with Africa Podcast Day, has put the continent on the map. You guys are not even neck and neck because it's not a competition. I believe that there's room for more than one, right? Everyone can be number one. We still have to make this pie bigger. It's not about taking pieces. And it's so exciting, again, to be able to interact with pioneers of this space. So podcast sessions, I love it. I love how it looks. I think you stylize it in a really beautiful way. Obviously, you have an incredible background in journalism and you do really well with writing these stories as well as interviewing. It's my privilege to be here. But I think that... In my opinion, when I think back to when before I knew you, podcasting sessions, when I stumbled upon it, was a very exciting find. It was like I lifted up a rock and I found treasure because I was like, look, there's a magazine here. And everyone in that magazine that was featured, I Googled them, every single person, because I was deep diving in research. So yeah. That, that's kind of my, if, if you thought you were plugging podcast magazine, I definitely went a little bit further, you know? <laughs> you did. Thank you so much. I receive, I receive, I receive. Molly, talk to me a little bit about the opportunities that you're seeing in this space. And I think on one hand, opportunities for content creators in the podcasting space. And on the other hand, for, you know, people within the business kind of a space of podcasting. Sure. So Opportunity is really limitless. And when it comes to content, I'm, I tend to be really careful because I don't want to steer anyone in a way. I think that the space is so fertile. Like you could literally throw any idea anywhere and it could grow into something massive. Um, there are very exciting opportunities to play with format, I believe, right? Like something that I say often is that podcasting in the West is it podcasting on the continent is probably going to look way different than it does in the West that I I just don't think that a cookie cutter format is going to fit here. We do things differently here. Audio is something that we're familiar with. There may be a way someone wants to communicate, whether that's shorter podcasts in general, or it means being shared in a different way. So format is definitely one where I think there's an opportunity to do something truly different. Um, I think playing with audio and like uh, audio specifically radio, what audio files will look like. That's going to be really exciting to see how that translates to what a podcast is. Because a lot of people think a podcast is either an interview or 
a story, like a series story, like serial maybe, or it's a conversation between friends. And I think we're going to see some really cool new emerging things. But in terms of the type of content that can be pushed out, we need everything. We need everything. We need to know what the life is like for a young child of a seamstress who didn't have the same opportunities or their parents didn't have the same opportunities as them and they made it to the big city. Like, I'll give you an example. Me, um, I told you my mom is from Ghana. I had the privilege of going with my grandparents to see the villages that they grew up in in the Volta region, four and a half hours on a bumpy road. <laughs> They're from Peki and Vapo in the Volta region. And when I went to these family properties. I was like, how did my grandparents make it out of here? And how did my mom make it out of Accra? Because when she was 18, she went to Georgetown. And here I am in this incredibly privileged position, extremely educated. And I came back to the continent. It feels very much like that Sankofa bird, like you go back at home and return to get what's yours type of thing. But that story of itself, we need that story. <laughs> you know what I mean? We need the story of people who've like hustled through the slums in Nairobi, whether it's Kibera or Kengemi or wherever it may be and have made it. We need the stories of people who are the global Africans who are extremely well-traveled, but have been, but when I say well-traveled, they've been to over 30 African countries. It's not just the countries in Europe. We need all of the stories all of them. There's, there's no shortage of opportunities to find content, but everyone here has a story. Storytelling is fundamental to the DNA of Africans. It's like embedded in our DNA, literally since the beginning of time. You think about storytelling, you think about Africans. When we talk about Africans and Pan-Africanism, there is an Africans within the, uh, the diaspora. The stories are what is going to, I think, keep us going and being able to document these stories and have platforms like AfriPods to have conversations and have our stories told and have our, you know, parents and grandparents and great grandparents stories told and history told from our perspectives, I think is going to be such a game changer uh, for future generations to come as well. And so, Muddy, uh, just to wrap up, I mean, I could absolutely talk to you forever. <laughs> But I do want to do give you an opportunity just to share with people how can they uh, connect with you uh, or connect with AfriPods if they're interested in you know putting their podcast on hosting etc. Um, but also your social media handles and platforms where they can connect with you too. So how you would contact us at AfriPods across all platforms? We're at AfriPods. So at sign A F R I P O D S. If you're looking to reach me directly, my email is mj at afropods.com. And if you're looking for me on Instagram, it's at mj underscore akosua, which means born on Sunday. You know, we had to give a Ghanaian plug out here. But uh, feel free to reach out any way that's possible. If you're looking for advertising opportunities, if you're looking to host your podcast, looking to migrate your podcast, looking to share your RSS feed to help build this library, we can't do this without you guys. Um, reach out to us and, and anyone who's looking to partner or collab or do something exciting or interesting, whether it's on the continent or within the diaspora, I'm open and I'm looking to do some really, really, really exciting and impactful things. And that's a wrap on today's show. While you're here, definitely check out the latest issue of the Podcast Sessions Digital Magazine, Africa's first and only podcast magazine. 
at www.thepodsessions.com. The Podcast Sessions is a production of Teensway Media.